And welcome to The Watcher's Diaries, a weekly podcast all about Buffy. I'm Mary. And I'm Dylan. And this week we're talking about Season 1, Episode 4, Teacher's Pet. We're going to start our journey through Xander's weird, weird love life. I'm sad that he didn't get a happy ending. And I know I'm like 7 million seasons ahead, but I'm still mad. The end. I'm mad a lot of people didn't get happy endings, but... Yes. This is why fan fiction and roleplay exist, so we could take canon and shove it in the back of the closet and never talk about it again. Preach. I did have fucking TikTok ruin my day yesterday where some guy posted a video of like, it was supposed to be his reaction to watching Tara's death the first time. I was like, what? Why did you have to do this? Why did you have to bring this up first thing in the morning before I've even had fucking coffee? Fuck off. It was upsetting. Let's not do that. Let's not talk about Tara's death. No. So before we begin, I have two updates and one correction. And the correction is a point towards me because that means Mary was wrong. No, but we'll get there in a second. Yes. <laughs> first off, updates. Um, so our first update is I've ordered both Slayer and Chosen, which are the two books by Kirsten White dealing with Merrick's daughters. And I'm really excited because maybe we can find out a little bit more about Merrick. Probably not. And then I've also ordered Sins of the Father by Christopher Golden, which is the old tie-in novel that was written while the show was still on the air that has Pike coming to Sunnydale during the events of season three. So is Pike in multiple books? I think this is the only novel he's in. And then he features in a couple of the comic books because ah. he's in the comic book version of the origin. And then he's in the comic uh-huh. book version of whatever happened in Vegas. And I don't remember if he shows back up later in the comic books, but he is in a couple of the comics. But I think this is the only novel he's in. But I'm very uh-huh. excited. And I'm sure we're going to dedicate an episode to each of these books. But this means that maybe finally, hopefully, who knows, I can crack the mystery of how old Pike is supposed to be. My gut tells me this is not going to happen, but I really love this adventure for you. Oh, thank you. And I'm sure it won't. I'm sure it will remain one of the great unsolved mysteries of Sunnydale, but that's fine. And while we're on the subject of books, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to make it official. Um, Our eighth episode, which will be the one after the pack. So if you're listening to this episode, you have three weeks. That will be dedicated to Julie Kenner's Carpe Demon, which is the first of her demon hunting soccer mom series. So we're going to take a look at the book. We're going to take a look at Kate and the world in the book and kind of see how it compares to the world of Buffy. And I love this series. I loved it the first time I read it. I'm going to love rereading it, I know. So I'm very excited for everyone to take that journey with us. After we read them, if we decide we want to carry on with the book club, we should read the Undead and Unwed series because they are delightful. Oh, yeah. I'm up for reading anything. I like having book club. Have you read those before? Uh, I've seen them, but I don't think I've read them. (gasps) They're so much fun. I'm excited for this journey. Anywho, back on topic. (laughs) So I have a small correction from our Welcome to the Hellmouth episode. When we were talking about the bronze, I told you that it was the warehouse of where they filmed. So we Mm -hmm. were looking at was the WB lot. I was correct in the fact that it is the warehouse that they filmed in, but Buffy didn't film on the main WB lot. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks to Jackie, who is, I feel very safe in saying, our number one fan at this point. She told me that Buffy actually filmed on a much smaller lot in Santa Monica. The fact that they were on this much smaller lot is a big part of the fact that they only had three locations. And that's why they kept using the same hallway over and over. It's why poor Marty Knoxon lost like her parking space every time they needed a graveyard. It's because they had, they had a much smaller area to work with. And she did say that listening to the podcast, 
has made her remember that she wants to drive past some of these places that she used to go and where they used to film. And so she's going to try to get us some pictures. So when we get those, we'll put them up on our Instagram. She's just a superstar. I love her so much. We love Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Hi. We miss you. On to the episode. Teacher's Pet. This is our fourth episode. It premiered March 24th, 1997. And our synopsis for this episode, which hopefully is not as tongue twistery as our one from last week. You mean the one that I had no issues with? I don't know why I had such issues with that one. Buffy gets a bad feeling about the sexy new substitute, but Xander, who has a really good feeling about the woman, may end up in her clutches. Just as The Witch was our first episode with a noticeable theme, this is going to be the first of many episodes to focus on someone other than Buffy. And of course, the person we're going to focus on in this episode is Xander. Yay, Xander. Yes. Like with the other episodes so far, we get the Slayer speech before launching into what is clearly a dream sequence. Is it though? It is. And we know this because just look at Buffy's dress. Mm, I don't know. I think that's something she would wear. So they're at the bronze. There's a vampire. Buffy's unable to defeat it. It throws her on a pool table. It's about to go in for the kill when Xander appears. There to save the day by beating the shit out of the vampire and rescuing (laughs) Buffy. Okay. I have to say, though, I'm liking Xander in the all black. He's looking very suave. Yes. Yes, he is. It's just... Having a Xander moment. I'll have a lot of these during the pack. How old was he when he was filming? He was in his 20s, right? Oh, yeah. He was much older than like 14-year-old Mary. Okay. He was an adult. I I was 14. No, it's more so... I hate looking back on people that I used to have a crush on when I was a kid. And like, I feel so uncomfortable discussing the subject because like, now here I am, 30 fucking years old. But as long as... Oh my God, Nicholas Brennan, there we go, was in his 20s. 20s during filming, I don't feel as icky. <laughs> Nicholas Brendan is older than me, so I am allowed to look back on my crush here. Yes. <laughs> so despite having hurt his hand in the fight, Xander assures Buffy that he will still be able to finish my guitar solo and kiss you like you've never been kissed. It's so cheesy. <laughs> it's cheesy and it's ridiculous. And I commend Xander for having daydreams that are 120% committed to them. It is so adorable that he just wants to be able to protect Buffy. I know, obviously, in the daydream, he's protecting her so he could woo her. But there is still that part of him that wants to be able to protect this person. Yeah. So just a small fact, um, the guitar Xander's playing in the dream sequence is a Warlock model guitar made by BC Rich Guitars. So if anyone really likes the guitar, wanted one just like it, that's what it is. Ah. Xander launches into his said guitar solo as Buffy draws near the stage telling him you're drooling, which is an absolutely delightful verbal transition often used for such things as dreams that takes us to Sunnydale (laughs) High where we're now in science class learning about bugs. Ew, 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 ew. Ew, ew, ew. I don't but like... But what if they were learning about cicadas? Oh, God! <laughs> no. Mm, mm, no, no, no. I don't know if it's ever been said where either of us are located. I'm in Maryland where the cicadas are about to descend upon me in like four weeks and I'm just, I'm not okay. I'm not okay. <laughs> Dylan's very cruel for even bringing them up. I hate them. Ugh, ugh. 
Oh, no. I'm so glad they're not learning about cicadas. There are no cicadas around me. I hate you so much. You're welcome. So unlike last week, this class seems to be strictly biology. It's not some weird double biology chemistry thing. And I think that makes a lot more sense. I don't know what was happening with the class last week. I didn't like it. This makes a lot more sense. So finishing his lecture on ants, the teacher, Dr. Gregory, played by William Monaghan, who would later go on to play one of Felicity's professors on Felicity, asks Buffy if she can tell him the way ants communicate. Willow's miming here is just adorable. Much like everything she does. Her miming is adorable, just like her doing crime is adorable. Willow is all around adorable. And Xander is adorable as he just looks really, really confused. But of course, Buffy's misinterpreting smell to mean B.O. has whatever Cro-Magnum she is sitting next to. I think it's Blaine. I'm not sure. Blaine plays a part later on, so it's probably Blaine. Taking a dig at Xander, saying he's glad someone finally mentioned it. Ugh, Blaine. Class is dismissed and Dr. Gregory asks Buffy to hang back for a moment, wanting to talk to her. He tells her that Flutie showed him her permanent record. And as Buffy is scrambling to make excuses and explain, he tells her that he can't wait to see what she's going to do there. And he knows that it's going to be great. I love Dr. Gregory. He reminds me of several teachers I've had throughout my academic career. Teachers who just, they see something within you. The, when he tells tells Buffy, don't be sorry, be smart. Let's make them eat that permanent record. Buffy needs more teachers like him. Yes, but I mean, much like real life, there's only like one or two teachers like him, which isn't to say anything against teachers. Teachers are very overworked and underpaid. But like, fun fact about Dylan, Dylan spent a lot of time without a home and like two teachers noticed and did anything to help me pass classes. Okay, that is not a fun fact. That is a sad fact. No, nah, that's a fun fact. It's a fact Froggy and I don't like being reminded of because it makes us very sad to think of little Dylan out in the cold. It was during the summer. I would have been happier if I was out in the fucking cold. Okay, Dylan out in the warm summer night breeze. (laughs) I was miserable. It was warm and lovely. I was outside. There were stars and fireflies and it couldn't just get any more disgusting. (laughs) But anyway. The life of Dylan. But yes, Dr. Gregory, he he represents that percentage of teachers that is just amazing and everyone needs more teachers like Dr. Gregory. Something else we can note in this scene is as it is a fairly popular quote, especially for things like Etsy stickers. This is the scene where Buffy refers to herself as Destructor Girl. It's a small self-deprecation moment when she thinks Dr. Gregory is going to write her off as a troublemaker like so many others have. So Buffy leaves and Dr. Gregory starts to go over his slides, presumably for the next day's lecture. Behind him, we see the door slowly open as something steps out of the darkness, wrapping a clawed sort of appendage around his neck. And as he's dragged off, his glasses fall to the floor, which of course means he's a goner. Rest in peace, Dr. Gregory. Okay, I'm going to do it. I have to. I have to go back to the Merrick thing. I told you guys this was going to come up all through season one because here is someone else Buffy has lost. The first teacher to really believe in her, to give her a chance. And he's dead. Dead like Jesse is dead. Dead like Merrick is dead. The people close to Buffy keep dying. The adults who believe in her keep dying. Why is this not something we're talking about? Oh, does that mean if Joyce didn't believe in Buffy, she would have lived? Yeah. If she had been crappy movie verse parent, she probably would have done better. Because notice Buffy's dad lives. Well, yes. Yes, he does. I don't know how Giles gets out of that, like, clause, but... Oh no, he dies in the comics. 
Wait, he does? They bring him back though. But yeah, Giles dies in the comp. Nope. See, no one's safe. Willow didn't die. But Willow was an adult or an authority figure. Ah, so the curse doesn't affect children. Apparently not. Interesting. All right. Credits. Episode four. Still awesome. (gasps) Wait a second. What? Dylan revelation. What is your Dylan revelation? What if that's a purposeful machination put into the whole Slayer thing by whatever great who's he what's it created the Slayer being like, no, you have to focus on being a Slayer. So we're going to kill everyone around you that cares about you. That's interesting. And it's interesting, not actually from a powers that be perspective. It's interesting because this is a trick the Watchers Council has used time and time again. Oh. Because the Watchers Council believes that the Slayer's focus should be entirely on her duty and that she shouldn't have connections to the outside world. We see that in Kendra. Kendra was raised by her Watchers. She was taken from her family. She didn't have friends. She barely knew how to interact with people. Ah. We see it in a lot of the historicals. Actually, the last historical we covered for Women's History Month talks about this at the very end because she was a slayer during the Spanish Inquisition. And at the end, when her watcher and the council, well, she was thrown into the tower and imprisoned, not really because of Inquisition stuff, but because that was her cruciamentum. But when she gets out, she finds out her father has been sent to Marrakesh because the council says he'll be safe there, but the council wanted to separate her from her family. Rude. Yeah, so this actually is a thing with Slayers and we will see this come up from time to time. I don't think it's on a power that B level, it's on the Watcher's Council is shady as fuck level. Look, white men can't be trusted. No, they cannot. So from the credits, we return to the bronze, this time not a dream, where Superfine is on stage playing Already Met You. And this is one of the songs featured on the official Buffy album. There's an official Buffy album? There is. Is. It came out my senior years. So it came out in 90, either spring of 99 or fall of 99. I have it. And I think you can find it on Spotify or Amazon. There was the official Buffy album. There was songs from Radio Sunnydale. And then there was Once More With Feeling. I love Once More With Feeling. But the official Buffy album also has Transylvania Concubine on it. I don't know what that is. You've never heard Rasputina's Transylvania Concubine? No. There were not copyright laws. I would play it right now, but I will just, I'll send you a link to it when we get off because, oh my God, you're going to love this song. Xander waves to the crowd, passing by the stage, and he tries to give the lead guitarist this little nod, like one rock god to another. It doesn't work out so well. So he then ends up at that bar, whatever that thing is, the bronze will forever mystify me. Yeah, it's very fucking confusing. Right? He's next to Blaine and Blaine's friend. And have I mentioned yet that according to the official watcher's guide, Blaine is spelled B-L-A-Y-N-E. Yeah, no, not I-N-E, Y-N-E. He's that extra. Well, I mean, in his defense, I don't think he chose that. No, he didn't. His mom probably did. (laughs) So his parents are that extra. Blaine is talking about his various conquests. And upon hearing Blaine mention how one girl was not his type due to them needing to have a little certain something, Xander helpfully pipes up with a lobotomy. This unfortunately (laughs) turns his attention to Xander and he wants to know how many times Xander scored. Just Xander, Xander, honey, just stop. 
I mean, I know no teenage boy wants to seem lesser in front of other teenage boys, but those boys are douchebags. Like he owes yes, them nothing. They are. But also that Blaine is in their grade, yes, since he was in class with them. Yes, he's in their grade. I look, another fun fact about Dylan. I might have been sexually active my sophomore year of high school. I don't think that many people were. Mind you, I didn't hang around many straight guys, but I don't think they were. I mean, I could be wrong. It's just that's such a weird fucking thing. Well, how many times have you scored? What is this real life? I don't think so. I went to an all girls school. So the boys I hung around (laughs) with were. (laughs) We had guy friends. Georgetown prep was right up the street. Yeah. Yeah. Just more insight into Mary. Georgetown prep was right up the road. So I had guy friends who went to prep. A lot of them who boarded there. So they were from like Chicago and stuff. But they also weren't the kind of guys that were having this kind of conversation. So I I also cannot tell you if this was, I mean, 90s teen rom-coms and 90 teen shows would lead us to believe that, yes, this was the kind of thing boys were doing. But and I mean, somebody somewhere had to have done it for it to be something people put in everything. But I don't know if it was as commonplace as these shows and movies would like us to believe. Yeah. Xander is saved from himself by the arrival of Willow and Buffy, who for some reason are coming down the steps. Like, I thought they just arrived, but maybe they didn't just arrive. Maybe they just went upstairs because the entrance to the bronze isn't upstairs. Look, maybe it's like the house from the original Sabrina where the living room wasn't actually down the stairs. (laughs) If you pay attention while watching Sabrina, they don't go down the stairs to get to the living room. That's your homework for tonight. Rewatch a couple of episodes of Sabrina and tell and pay attention when they're going from the upstairs to the living room. Okay, I'm going to do that now because now I'm like, no, Sabrina goes down the stairs all the time. I thought so also. (laughs) All right. This is apparently my homework for tonight. Okay, maybe the bronze was built by Spellman's. I wouldn't be surprised. Point is, there are now girls and Xander tells the other duty calls. And Willow is just so ready to jump in and protect Xander's manliness, especially because it involves her like getting to cling to Xander. And you're just like, oh, bit bit. (laughs) So Angel shows up. Of course he does. I will admit, though, the leather jacket is working for him way more than whatever that velvet ensemble was. Yes. I find Angel's entrance in this episode interesting, and it's for this reason. So I'm sure a lot of you have seen in the recent interviews where they mentioned that in the beginning, the writing team wasn't really quite sure what character they were going to make queer. There was literally a debate between whether it was going to be Xander or Willow. Mm-hmm. And that shows in this scene. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know how far back the debate started because Xander is the one pointing out how clearly buff and attractive Angel is. Xander is very hung up on how good looking Angel is. Yes. (laughs) And Willow's just kind of like, eh, you think he's buff? Willow could not care other than being like, oh, this is the mysterious man Buffy was talking about. I can't help but wonder. Yes. I can't help but wonder if they did make Xander be the gay one, if we could have possibly have avoided the beginning of the bury your gaze trope. Well, I guess that would depend on 
how the story would have gone because was it were they going to do the magic and sexuality hand in hand so we would have had like Xander Warlock and then avenging death or would Willow have still gone the magic route while Xander went the having a boyfriend route so I think that would have depended on what story they because clearly the death of the lover and the going Darth Rosenberg was something that went hand in hand with that magic storyline yeah no that's that's true and look I love I love Dark Willow but god damn it that trope is one of the worst fucking tropes to be created it really is it's a horrible trope and we should all strive for better so people out there listening that are writing tv shows strive for better yes let your gays live yes how else will they have fabulous brunches they just get sad brunches i don't want to have sad brunch i want to have fabulous brunch well once we're all vaccinated we will have happy brunch okay so the other part i love about this scene other than like xander's like obvious immediate obsession with angel is that the writers were so very much like we need a reason for David to take his shirt off and show off his bicep. Oh, I know. Even though this club is indoors, we'll just have this huge doorway be open that's never open again, by the way. (laughs) And Angel will be lurking in it so Buffy can go over and be cold. Angel will give her his jacket. No, the sliding door is never seen again. It's like Xander's skateboard. But we needed it for the scene so Angel could take off his jacket. They took a page out of Dylan's book of directing. Is this like the drama fence? It's the drama door? Exactly. But instead of the drama door, it's the make your hunky male characters take off a little bit of clothing door. I cannot wait for your book on how to properly direct a reboot. It's going to be great and will be available for only five easy payments of $29.95. Is this how we're going to get rich? Yes. Yes. All right. So speaking of Xander, he's still got whatever that necklace is on is you can see the chain under his shirt. As for Angel, he's starting to move into broody puppy mode. He's not quite there yet, but he's definitely not as much of a dick as he was in those first two episodes. He's just uh, just a little standoffish because after giving Buffy his jacket, he warns her that someone is coming. Not to let him corner her, he'll rip her throat out and he mysteriously leaves. As we cut to Sunnydale High. Woohoo! I love Sunnydale High. Buffy and Giles are walking along discussing the warning Angel relayed to her. As they come across Willow and Giles heads inside, he remarks how every day there is the same. And he's referring, of course, to the Southern California weather. So something from the original script. Giles's line was pretty much weather dependent. So they had to have a note in the script with an alternate line in case it had been raining that day. <laughs> had it been raining when they were filming, Giles' line would have been changed to reminds me of home. And Buffy would have replied, dark, dank, and dreary. You must be so happy. I would just like to say that my time over in the, U- in the UK did not involve any rain and I was disappointed. Yeah, I don't think it rained when Panda and I went over. I don't think it rained the entire time we were in Europe at all that year. Yeah, no, there was definitely no rain when we were in Paris. Yeah, so no, I did not experience this dreary English weather that they speak of. Rude. Giles goes to leave and Xander joins the girls telling them that there will be no Dr. Gregory that day as he's missing. And Xander just doesn't get right away how that might be a bad. Missing is usually bad, Xander. And it's even more bad when you live atop a hellmouth. He's still new to this vampire thing, okay? What happened to last week with people disappear all the time? Look, he's new to this whole continuity thing, okay? <laughs> 
Are you also new to this continuity thing, Dylan? Maybe. I live however I want to live. <laughs> you do what you want? Yep. And whether that means I'm following continuity or not, I don't give a fuck. Buffy's clearly worried and she's upset. And Willow remarked, he's one of the only teachers that doesn't think Buffy's a felon. <laughs> at least her saying one of implies that there's at least one more. And hopefully that's besides Giles. <laughs> I don't think that's besides Giles. Great. So it's Dr. Gregory and Giles. Giles counts for a lot, but I, he doesn't count as a teacher. Do librarians count as teachers? Uh, they're faculty, but I don't think they're teachers. Eh, Giles counts to us. He does. Giles will always be a teacher in our hearts. <laughs> yes. Yes, we will. Oh, oh, Giles. Poor Giles. It's probably a good thing we did not go to Sunnydale High. Well, you would have died and I would have become a big bad. I would. I can, I can speak good. Good. <laughs> Reading makes our English speaking good. Quote you Xander. would have died and I would have become a big bad. Wow, rude. I'm very insulted that you think I would have died. That's what you get for not going into the haunted forest. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it works the opposite way. No, the haunted forest is a safe place because that's where all the friendly ghosts are to protect you from the bad guys. So I went into the haunted forest. You got ran over by a vampire truck. <laughs> and I then became a big bad to avenge you. Because in our Sunnydale, there are vampire trucks. Uh, now, are they trucks <laughs> driven by vampires? Or are they no. trucks that are vampires? Think if Pixar's cars had a Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I'm going to need someone to draw this. <laughs> Anyone who has any artistic talent out there, please draw me a Pixar vampire truck, please. Because I'm going to need it's this. It's just Mater. It's Mater with one fang. <laughs> there might actually, okay, now I'm going to have to deep dive on the internet because there may be like a Halloween picture where Mater is dressed like a vampire. I went an opposite route and I I feel like there's some really upsetting fan fiction out there. Oh no, dear God, no, 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 no. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna look up like Cars Land Halloween because I think it's like in the parks. Like I think they put a cape on him or something. Oh, there is a vampire mater and he's so cute. I told you. Okay, so we're going to put the picture of Vampire Mater up on the Instagram for y'all. <laughs> I love him. He has the pendant. So that's what kills you. Okay, that's what ran over me. Yep. You can buy a toy of him. Uh, carry on. Here comes Miss French, who seems to be equipped with the power of rendering teenage boys speechless. So fun fact, uh, Miss French is played by Musetta Vander, who also had guest roles on Xena Warrior Princess in VIP, which are my other two girl power shows of this era. Miss French asks Xander if he can tell her where Science 109 is, but unfortunately, Xander's teenage boy brain is very much malfunctioning at the moment. Unfortunately for us <laughs> all, Blaine is nearby and offers to help. Bye, Blaine. No, not by Blaine, but Blaine's gonna go off to class. No, in my mind, he got eaten by the vampire truck. The vampire truck's gonna make a lot of appearances, isn't it? Yes. So Blaine's real name is Blaine Mall, and he's played by Price Jackson, or Jackson Price, as he prefers to be credited, apparently. Before appearing on Buffy, Price was also on the Baywatch Night series, a spinoff of Baywatch that had David Hasselhoff's character Mitch working as a private eye. In the series' second season, what? the cases took on... Oh yeah, this was a thing. What? Yeah, so after Baywatch, there was Baywatch Nights and Mitch became a private eye. And then in the series' second season, the cases became way more supernatural themed. There was like a whole werewolf thing. So this is not this actor's first run in with things that go bump in the night. What? I just... Who? What? I... <laughs> My brain just automatically went to it's people swimming at night. No, no, it's not like night lifeguards. It's like secret private eye stuff. I have so many questions. What fanfic 
bullshit is this? Oh my god. It was called David Hasselhoff needed a job. I don't know. G can tell you all about it. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is what a treat. Carry on while I fall down a Google hole. Ugh, Blaine. Not just outside, but everything that comes out of his mouth in the science room, Buffy really needs to like reach over and hit him. But speaking of the science room, as they walk in, Buffy does notice Dr. Gregory's glasses on the floor and one of the lenses is clearly cracked, which she finds odd. Why would he just leave them there? If he dropped them, wouldn't he have picked them up? Uh, no. He was in a rush, all right? Don't be judgmental, Buffy. This French picks up where Dr. Gregory left off and begins lecturing the class about the praying mantis, a creature that she says lives a solitary life. Dun, dun, dun. Sorry, carry on. When she asks if anyone can tell her why, <laughs> Buffy comments the phrase, bug ugly comes to mind. Something that clearly upsets Miss French. I think Miss French needs to calm it down at least a little. Even though the Scoobies may not know it yet, we know she's a giant bug and I get it. She's protective of her kind, but not everybody likes bugs. In fact, most people do not like bugs. So she's fighting a losing battle. Look, she's a bug person. I understand her being offended. Well, no, 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 no. We're not feeling bad for the bug lady. Mm, We can feel a little bad for the bug lady. She just got called ugly. Fine. If you find yourself wondering about Miss French's accent, it's because Musetta is Dutch South African. So that's the accent. Ah. During the course of her lecture, she says that there are over 1,800 species of praying mantis. This is both true and untrue. While there are over 1,800 species of mantids, and people often refer to any mantid as a mantis, the mantises are in fact a much smaller subset. I just really enjoy that you dislike bugs so much and had to do this bug research, bug search, if you will. It was very upsetting. So we go on to learn about how the mantis lays and fertilizes its eggs, leading to hundreds of offspring once they hatch. Miss French then asks for volunteers to make model egg sacks for the science fair. Not surprising, every boy in the classroom volunteers. Look, there should have at least have been one gay boy in that classroom that was like, eh, you ain't shit. I'm just saying. The Moes didn't suddenly appear out of nowhere after the 90s ended. Okay, but that's going to lead to a very interesting um, science-y question because we find yes. out later on that part of the thing with why Xander is so attracted to her is that she's giving off a pheromone. How does pheromones react with, because pheromone is a biological thing and a biological reaction and how does that interact with sexuality? Like that's a whole science paper on Hmm. its own. I know that you're not going to have an answer for that. I'm sure there is a science paper on it, but it just like, I'm like, does the whole pheromone biological reaction to pheromone need to carry on species override sexuality? Or does it play into sexuality and a pheromone can only enhance like an attraction you would already have. hmm. Again, like I said, it's a science paper. If only there was still the science side of Tumblr for us to (laughs) ask things to. Maybe I will make a note to look that up before our next episode and see if I can find an answer. Because like I said, somebody had to have written a paper on this. Panda works in science. Have her ask people. Okay, I will have Panda look into this for us. So from there we go to lunch and uh, the hot dog surprise looks like it's not the kind of surprise you would want ever. Very sad hot dog surprise. I just, it's up, that's upsetting. <laughs> why, why does it gotta be a surprise? It's so upsetting. Xander goes on about having an older woman interested in him and the girls, they're just not having it. Willow is pointing out how young and inexperienced Xander is and Buffy mentions how <laughs> desperate Miss French must be. Uh, desperate in some way, desperate or in some way undesirable because what, no men of her own age want her? <laughs> Blaine shows up to ruin all this 
this, as Blaine often does, reminding Xander that he has once again come in second, Blaine having his one-on-one with Miss French that day, while Xander's is not until the next. Blaine is truly a special creature. Yes, yes he is. So he says he's carving up, and his carving up seems to involve two cartons of milk, one carton of chocolate milk, three slices of cake, and some veggies. Like, this is not exactly what I would call carbo-loading, but okay. Look, if butter is a carb, then milk can be. So we see Cordelia for the first time this episode um, when she comes in to grab her medically prescribed lunch from the freezer. What she does find in the freezer, or probably more likely the fridge, because I don't know why you'd be getting your lunch directly from the freezer. It would make it very hard to eat it, is Dr. Gregory's headless body. And this is the fakest goddamn looking body I have ever seen. They didn't have the money for great special effects, okay? I know. We were, we were still in first season. We're still getting our budget. So Buffy, Willow, and Xander are immediately there, and on their horrified faces, we move to the library where Giles is offering a clearly distraught Buffy a glass of water. They talk of Dr. Gregory and who could have possibly wanted to hurt him. And it's clear Buffy's been crying. I'll know where I'm going back with this. See, she finally cares about someone. It's good. And it's good that we see these things affecting her because I think we should. we should be seeing more of this about stuff that came before. And it's like, if the death of a teacher that she's only known for a few weeks can affect her this much, the death of her former watcher should have affected her tenfold. I'm not letting go of this anytime soon. Just understand this is the hill I'm going to die on. She was a different girl back then. Literally. Oh, that is true. She was a few years older, had a whole different face. Just a totally different person. Exactly. They wonder if what happened to Dr. Gregory might not be connected to the danger Angel warned her of. And Giles says he's been doing research on the master, their local vampire king. So the master is a vampire king, which puts him on the same footing as Lothos. He's just younger and a bit more demonic because he's got the bumpies in the all. I'm just picturing him singing a vampire version of, oh, I just can't wait to be king. Oh, I need that now. If I was more creative, I would give it to you. But copyright infringement and I'm not creative. So there's that. So they also mentioned that there is this vampire that supposedly displeased the master and cut off his own hand in penance. And we're not quite sure yet that whoever this vampire is, is that they were connected to Dr. Gregory's death. His death doesn't seem like the others, but there was a homeless man in Weatherly Park found with blood drained that was practically shredded, but with his head intact. This could mean that we're dealing with two separate things. Bum, bum, bum. So at this, Xander says they're living on Monster Island. Monster Island refers to the island where Godzilla, along with some of the other monsters, reside. And it was first seen in the 1967 film Son of Godzilla. So Buffy reminds him that, well, they're living on a hellmouth. And of course, in these early episodes, we need to repeat what a hellmouth is several times. (laughs) Dylan, I have a question for you. Yes. Would you rather be on Monster Island or Nope Island? I'd rather be on Magic Mike Island. No, that's not an option. So, okay. Nope Island, for those of you listening, is Dylan's name for Isla Nublar, the island from the Jurassic Park world, etc. Because he says it's an island full of nope. So no, if you had to choose, would you rather be on Monster Island with the monsters or would you rather be on Nope Island with the dinosaurs? Magic Mike Island with Channing Tatum and Joe Manaframanaframanum. I don't remember his last Joe name. Joe Manly Man? Yes. I deserve to live out my best stripper cross road, road trip, cross country road trip. Why can't I talk today? <laughs> 
you do deserve to live your best stripper road trip life. Yes. Yes, I do. Another note on this whole Hellmouth thing, the Hellmouth reference actually wasn't in the original script. So it's just more proof that it was something added later on because in these early episodes, you never know when people are going to be tuning in for the first time. And so you kind of want to drop these little hints to quickly catch anyone up who may not have seen the pilot. Yep. So even though Giles suspects there's two different fiends, he doesn't want to commit to the idea. Just in case, this really is all due to the new vampire in town. And he warns Buffy not to do anything rash. Giles, please. You had to know something rash was exactly what Buffy was going to do. I feel like that's the only thing Buffy does. Right? The only thing Buffy does is something rash. But this time, something rash apparently means go investigate the park where the dead homeless man was found. Because that's where we're off to next. The park. This time, however, Buffy doesn't so much as flip over the fence as scale it, which is a bit disappointing because we know she can just... Dylan, what's the sound effect that goes with flipping over the fence? That. Thank you. Yes. You're welcome. We know she can do that, but she doesn't. She just climbs over the fence. Very, very anticlimactic. So walking along, she runs into a wino who tells her that she shouldn't be out alone. It's dangerous. And just thank you, friendly wino. We will take that into consideration. Also, is that a slap bracelet around Buffy's ponytail? Because it kind of looks like a slap bracelet and I'm digging it. I both miss and am very glad that slap bracelets don't exist anymore because that shit fucking hurt. Uh, slap bracelets do exist. You can get a slap bracelet for your magic band in Disney World. No, thanks. That shit fucking hurts. It did. And we all we all use slap bracelets to like attack each other. Let's just be honest. Yes. God damn it. Continuing to search the area, Buffy approaches a bush. Why are you climbing in a bush? Oh, no, wait. It's a sewer entrance disguised as a bush, which is clever. For a moment, I was like, do we think this is the vampire or was the city planning? Was the mayor like, <laughs> no, we could not have exposed sewer entrances. How unseemly. But, you know, the moment she gets near, a vampire jumps out. So I'm going to guess it was the vampire, which is kind of disappointing. Mm. I think it was the mayor. The mayor was like, I need to feed the vampires so they don't eat me bushes to cover their hidey holes. You know, I would believe that. I can go with that. All right. We'll say it was the mayor. Also, why is this vampire Freddy Krueger? Why isn't he? I don't know. He literally looks like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so the police show up, the vampire takes off, and Buffy's following him. Walking along the edge of the fence, the vampire spots Miss French walking home, and like most vampires, thinks, hey, tasty meal. That is until she turns and looks at him, and then he's hissing and running away as fast as he can. So I don't get this. I don't get it through the entire episode, and they never explain it. Why is the vampire afraid of Miss French? Like, okay, yes, she is a giant bug, but she's a giant bug. Why, why does that bother the vampire? I think it's because predators can sense other predators and that vampire probably realized that if it were to go up against that predator, the likelihood of it living is slim to none. Oh, I didn't think about that. I didn't think about like a prey mantis being like a predator because they are, they are a cannibal bug. Yes. So, okay. Okay. That makes a lot more sense now. Thank you. I actually, like actually You're just welcome. did not think about that. Point 50 to Dylan. Oh, okay. Another point to you. Back at Sunnydale High, Giles is scolding Buffy for going hunting after she said she wouldn't. And I'm like, doesn't Buffy Buffy patrol every night? Isn't that part of the Slayer responsibility? It seems like she patrols every night. But okay, maybe it's just that she went to like the specific area he told her not to. Or it's like, <laughs> he's just like, can we at least wait to find out how many oogity boogities you're supposed to be going up against before you run off? I really don't want to have to try and find another Slayer in two seconds. Like, come on. Have 
little bit of survival like instinct here, Buffy. She does tell Giles, though, that she saw their vampire and something even more interesting, something that involves Miss French. And Giles calls Miss French lovely with a bit of a dopey grin. And I'm just like, ooh, even Giles thinks she's pretty. Don't worry, Giles, your time is coming. There's a very pretty teacher waiting just around the corner for you. And unlike Miss French, she will not bite off your head. But you too do not get a happy ending because what is that in this fucking show? No one gets a happy ending. Everybody's miserable. That one, though, uh, we'll talk about that one so much when we get to season two, because that one hurts. Yes. Every time I cry, I just, that one gets me. Mm-hmm. So she relays to Giles exactly what happened, and Giles suggests they keep an eye on Miss French, which means Buffy needs to get to class. Only she runs into Flutie in the hallway, and as she saw Dr. Gregory's body, she is now required to see a grief slash crisis counselor. Everyone who saw the body must. Okay, do we think Sunnydale High just has a grief counselor on retainer? Because... I mean, in these four episodes, we've had a dead guy in the locker, several other students, including Jesse, most likely killed on harvest night, the havoc caused by Catherine and Amy's body, and now a dead teacher. They really should just hire a full-time grief counselor and give them an office. Yeah. But this gets even weirder because I don't think we ever hear about Sunnydale High having a counselor again, at least not until season three. And then it's just for one episode before he too ends up dead. I'm going to assume there is one and we just never see them because how does the school not have one? Because things just get even worse from here on out. Maybe it's like the dark arts position. It's cursed. Either that or you burn out real fast because there's a lot of grief counseling that has to go on at this school. Yes. Yes, there is. So Flutie assures Buffy that together they can all beat this thing and that if she ever needs a hug, he's there, but not a real hug because the school is very <laughs> sensitive <laughs> to wrong touching. I just, I love this whole exchange in the hallway. I love Principal Flutie. He's great because he just he does and we've talked about this he just he tries really hard I laughed so hard because it it made me think of that scene from Bridesmaids where it's it's her boss and I forget exactly what he says but he's like don't sue me yes I know what you're talking about but I can't remember yeah so it looks like they're once again filming on location somewhere because this is not the one hallway this is like the bigger obviously real school hallway from the witch the one hallway to rule them all Lady tells Buffy you have to heal heal and I just I love Buffy sitting on that last heel because it gives that word that whole double meaning and making it like a dog walking command. And I just everything about the scene in the hallway is gold. It's so good. <laughs> and like we said, Flitty, he's trying. So yes. waiting her turn, Buffy overhears Cordelia talking to the counselor, telling him how upsetting it was, but also how her inability to eat anything has made her lose seven ounces way faster than the diet that doctor put her on. But that's not to say she thinks they should kill teachers as her new weight loss program. <laughs> No, no. She just is finding a silver lining in all this. Like how even a used Mercedes, shout out to the magical Mercedes symbol, still has leather seats. Her words. It's the 90s version of Noom, but instead of an app where you get a coach, it's just a hitman. Exactly. From Buffy's incredulous look, we move to science class where a pop quiz is happening. Miss French is helping Xander by leaning in real close, suggesting that he might have meant something else for question 14. She also reminds him that she will see him after school for their one-on-one. Gross. Miss French did not get Flutie's memo on inappropriate touching. No, she did not. Arriving late, Buffy peers through the window only to have Miss French get that nagging feeling that she's being watched and she does a full-on head spin to see who's there, which thankfully Buffy ducks. But why? Why would you do the full-on head spin in the classroom? That's just begging to get caught. Was everyone really so into their quizzes that no one noticed that? 
would you fucking say anything if you were in the middle of a quiz and your teacher said that? Because I fucking wouldn't. Okay, I probably wouldn't say anything that I would like run out of class and tell everyone I ever met ever. This is why you die, death via vampire truck, and I become the big bad. Okay, fine. When Buffy is explaining this to Willow, she says something like it was a full on exorcist twist, which of course is a famous moment in the 1973 movie when the possessed girl, Reagan, played by Linda Blair, turns her head all the way around. Buffy also notices that Blaine, who worked with Miss French the day before, is now missing. So Willow makes a comment about inquiring minds want to know. And what she's doing is she's referencing the slogan used by the tabloid newspaper, The National Enquirer. While now mainly celebrity focused, back in the 60s and 70s, the Enquirer did run several gory and occult themed stories. So it is likely that back then something like my teacher is a literal man killer could have been found in its publication. (laughs) But this line is also said by Corey Haim's character in Lost Boys, which, as we've stated before, is an 80s vampire movie starring Keith Sutherland, son of Donald Sutherland, who played Merrick in the movie. Literally everything is connected. Six degrees of vampires. Giles states that he has not yet come across anything that vampires are afraid of, and Buffy suggests he looks up things that can turn their head all the way around, something Giles remarks no human can do. No shit, Sherlock. Right? Even without knowing Miss French is a giant bug lady, did he really think they were looking for something human? Come on, Giles. I'm sure there are plenty of demons that can do it. Probably. (laughs) But it doesn't matter because Buffy remembers that certain bugs can and so goes off to look at which ones. And Willow is just so proud that Buffy's going to actually do her homework. Like Willow is just, I love Willow's smile. Slaying and school need to cross over more often. But that also is just like, it's such a specific thing to jump to. Like, why, why would you jump to bug? And I get it, plot device, we have to move the episode forward. But like, just that wouldn't be my natural progression. No, literally plot. So Xander goes to meet with Miss French right as she's making herself a snack. And this is where we learn that Xander's middle name is Lavelle, a secret he makes Miss French promise to guard with her life. Miss French tells Xander there's been a terrible mix up and that she's left some things at home. She then asks if he could meet her there that night. Xander, no! This is how so many Lifetime movies start. Like, do not go to the teacher's house. No, no. Bad Xander. I just, it's so gross. It is. It is. Even without the giant bug lady, just Xander, no. So he leaves and Miss French finally makes her snack. Crickets on white bread with mayo and I'm just like, no, 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 no. And so, okay, speaking of no, and going back to earlier. So you know how we talked about how the cicadas uh-huh. are coming this summer? My family knows how much I yes. freaking hate cicadas. And so they've been texting me cicada recipes. <laughs> because yeah, you can eat them. Like crickets and surprised. stuff. Like you can eat cicadas if you really wanted to. And so they just keep texting them to me because they know it grosses me the fuck out. And I'm just like, family, stop. Yeah. The hot topic in my hometown used to sell crickets. And like they had like different flavors. They had Cool Ranch crickets and all that. I never ate any of them, but that was a thing that they sold. I want to say my comic book store sells like some kind of candy that has crickets in it. Mm-hmm. No, thank you. I'm good. So we go back to the library where Buffy has confirmed only the praying mantis can rotate its head fully. She often reminds, she, she also reminds us that a big scary vamp was scared of Miss French and that her outfit screams predator. Willow chimes in that it's the shoulder pads. Okay, I, I don't really remember Miss French wearing shoulder pads, but I'll try to pay attention for the rest of the episode. You've seen Willow's fashion sense. Do we think she actually knows what a shoulder pad is? 
Okay, no, that's fair. They talk about how Miss French could be posing as a human, and Giles remembers a colleague that he had at Oxford, Carlisle, a colleague that specialized in entomology, mythology, bugs, and fairy tales. And I'm really mad this class was never offered at Maryland. Are you, though? Would you have taken that class? I don't know. I like fairy tales, but I don't like bugs. I don't know. Maybe not. He leaves to make a phone call, and Buffy leaves to warn Xander. He tries to double check that what Willow has just done, hacking into the school system to see if anything was mentioned about Blaine's absence, was legal. Buffy and Willow's highly unconvincing response. Giles just departs with, wasn't here, didn't see you, couldn't have stopped you. I feel this will become Giles's motto. Yes. So Buffy finds Xander and she tries to warn him, but Xander isn't really up for listening. Instead, he accuses Buffy of being jealous and takes the opportunity to lash out at Angel because Xander's never going to miss an opportunity to lash out at Angel. And I'm just like, no, he is not. Xander, you live on Hellmouth. Vampires are real. Why is it so strange when Buffy tells you there's a giant bug person? Again, he's still new to this. Whether it be vampires or continuity, he's new to one of them. Either way, it's a new experience. Yes. So Xander walks off, leaving an exasperated Buffy, and we switch to Miss French's house, where she's pouring out martinis for her and the yet-to-arrive Xander. And I'm just like, why are we pouring out martinis? Is this a 1970s swinger party? (sighs) It's all so gross. It's so gross. Once he appears, the sight of Miss French in her dress has him doing all kinds of nervous teenage boy babbling, during which he mentions swarma. I'm beginning to think the, the creator has like this huge swarma obsession. And I mean, good reason. It's delicious. But swarma will also come into play in the 2012 Avengers movie. So this is not the last time we will hear of Schwarden. Uh, Schwarden. 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 We will hear of swarma in uh, one of the creator's projects. So Xander downs his drink and Miss French asks if she can ask him a personal question. That question being whether or not he's ever been with a woman. This just keeps getting grosser. He tries to play it cool, but in the end, he admits that no, he hasn't, which Miss French already knew, and she can tell. And that's good, because a virgin is what she needs. Through this conversation, you can hear, like, yelling somewhere in the house, and Xander asks Miss French if she hears anything, but she says no. He swears he hears crying, but Miss French assures him she hears nothing and distracts him with talk of her hands. For a moment, Xander flashes back to his dream and his thoughts of Buffy, admitting out loud, clearly under the influence of something, that he loves Buffy. Then it's Miss French's hands and they change into claws and Xander passes out and he's dragged away and oh look it's a creepy basement with Xander in a cage as Miss French attends to her eggs and so Xander was grabbing the bar I notice he has like three rings on and one of them looks like it's coffin shaped and I I kind of love it back in the library Giles is on the phone still trying to speak to Carlisle something not made easy by the fact that Carlisle's hunt for whatever Miss French is clearly drove him insane and now led to him being in an instant The script here is perfect. Giles is on the phone. The fury of the once great English empire in his voice. I love that. So while Giles is doing that, Willow is pulling up the coroner's report on Dr. Gregor. The report confirms that the marks were indeed teeth marks, which leads Buffy to double down on her mantis theory. And that panics Willow. And I, Willow's speech about liking Xander's head. I'm just like, me too, Willow. Me too. (laughs) But it's fine because Buffy saw Xander leave school and she's sure he's safe at home. He's not though he's not at home he's in miss french's house which is her dungeon of horrors 
But oh, hey, Blaine is still alive. Not that we would have been sad if he wasn't. No, but I am sad that I don't have a Dungeon of Horrors. I don't particularly want to keep people trapped in a Dungeons of Horror. You just want to be able to say you have one? Yes. And I also want to be able to talk. That would be lovely. (laughs) Blaine isn't completely unharmed, though, because he is clearly traumatized by what he has witnessed in that basement. Fucking fair. Whatever Miss French's version of mating is, he explains it to Xander, peppered with many oh gods, before collapsing on the floor. Uh, For all his bravado, Blaine can't handle it when the pressure is turned on and just shocker. I mean, fair. We return once again to the library where Giles is still on the phone, but this time he is with Carlisle and he assures his old friend that they will take every precaution and that he was right about everything. Okay, well, almost everything because, well, no, in fact, you weren't right about your mother coming back as a Pekingese. Do you know for a fact, Giles, did you speak to the Pekingese in question? I think that was Giles being judgmental. I think it was because I think Carlisle's Pekingese and your spook Tara's cat lady's cat would have a lot to bond over. Yes, yes, they would. Also in the original script, it was a dachshund, not a Pekingese. So turns out Miss French is what they call a she mantis. Descriptive, but not real creative. Fucking she mantis, I can't. <laughs> and we learn here that the she mantis is a kleptovirgis or a virgin thief, putting her in the same category as the Greek sirens and Celtic sea maidens. She assumes the form of a beautiful woman and then lures unsuspecting virgins back to her nest. Buffy's trying not to assume that Xander is a virgin and she's delicately trying to find out. But Willow just outright declares that Xander is going to die and she goes (laughs) off to call him. I just, I like that Bobby's trying to be delicate. She's like, well, Xander, I mean, Xander's not, I'm sure he's a blues, like, he's gonna die. It's like, Buffy, it's, that's, that's sweet of you to try and be like, Xander could be a ladies' man, but no, sweet pea, he is a virgin. <laughs> but I do like how monster horror and slasher horror have conflicting ideologies. If there's ever something with monsters or magic rituals involved, you do not want to be a virgin. Being a virgin will put your life in danger and make you the number one target for being kidnapped and used in whatever ritual. But if you're in a slasher movie, you want to be a virgin because that ups your chances of being the final girl. But what about a magic slasher movie? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I don't know. Oh no, I need to think about that. Right? Oh, oh, that one's hard. See, there you need two virgins. Yeah, yeah. I think you just need to up your number of virgins. Yep. There we go. They solved it. Willow returns and tells them Xander never went home, that his mom said he went over to a teacher's house to work. Okay, his mom found nothing wrong with this. The 90s were a different time, okay? (laughs) And I mean, we also find out later Xander does not have the best home life. True. It's possible his mom just was not paying attention at all. Oh, poor Xander. I love Xander so much. So much. Just wait we get to the pack, y'all. Discovering that they have to cleave off all of Miss French's buggy parts with the sharp blade, Buffy goes to get weapons while Willow looks up Miss French's address. Giles, she asks to record some bat sonar as bats eat mantises. The sound of their sonar will make Miss French's central nervous system mouth function. So Giles, Willow, and Buffy pull up to the real Miss French's house to find an adorable little old lady. It turns out the she mantis posing as Miss French used false information to get into the school. And I just, I love the real Miss French and I need her to come back for another episode because they're standing there and they're like well where is she and she's just like I'm right here <laughs> <laughs> I just 
<laughs> oh, she's so cute. She's also played by Jean Spiegel Howard, who is the mother of Ron Howard. And her husband, Vance oh. Howard, will later appear on Angel. Ah, who does he play on Angel? I don't know. Like, I think he's only in an episode or two. But when we get to Angel, we'll find out. And then we'll come back to this moment. So throughout the library scene and the scene at the real Miss French's house, we've been occasionally checking back in with Blaine and Xander, both of whom are still stuck in cages. Xander does manage to get one bar free that allows him and Blaine to be in the same cage. But hey, it also gives him a weapon, which he might need as Miss French approaches playing eeny, meeny, miny, mo to see which one of them she's taking first. And just poor Dark. Xander. This is just all kinds of unpleasant. He starts to cooperate and get out of the cage and then he slams the metal bar into her stomach and he's heading up the stairs and it doesn't work and he still ends up tied up watching her do her weird little egg dance and I'm like, oh, the scene was so disturbing. Yeah, did not like it. Nope, nope, nope. So they know they have to find Miss French and they know she's somewhere in the neighborhood. So Buffy decides to go find the vamp from earlier. And you have to like how they're just putting the vampire to use. Like if he's going to come into town, then he's going to earn his keep. But displease Buffy and you're going to lose more than a hand. Yes. As they find out when they get to where the fake Miss French is held up. She uses a piece of wooden fence to stake the vampire, but really he cut his way out of his ropes and tried to attack her first. So he had it coming. That's fair. So Miss French is trying to get Xander to kiss her when the glass shatters and Buffy, Willow and Giles all enter the basement via the window. Using bug spray, Buffy gets the she mantis to back up a bit so that she can dig her machete and tape of bat sonar out of the bag. Well, okay, one side of the tape is bat sonar. The other side is Giles talking about filing and just who's she making those tapes for? Who is going to listen to Giles' tapes on the proper way to file in the library? Like, is this for librarians of years to come? He's living his best Twin Peaks moment and he's speaking to his Diane. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. I mean, Giles has a pass, so I can accept that. But this scene is a great shout out to Dr. Gregory and all he taught Buffy as she references the importance of doing her homework when bringing up the sonar. They manage to get the right side of the tape working and the fight begins proper. And I just, I love the use of shadow work for this fight because you see the whole fight in shadow and that's just that's so cool and it's it's such a good way to do it and I mean it was probably a good way to save money in these early episodes because then you didn't have to show everything but it's effective and I like it like whatever their reason was <laughs> budget what budget this was totally we would have done this even if we had a huge budget I think they should have even if they had a huge budget like I said it was really cool no it was very cool Buffy kills the she mantis of course and I'm just like Buffy did you just wipe the goo from the knife onto your pants because She's going to have worse on her clothing. It's whatever. It's true. I mean, her clothes are going to get some pretty gnarly stuff on it through the years. So Miss French is now dead and Xander and Blaine are safe. And Blaine is just so distressed. They know he's a virgin. Shocker. I never would have guessed. Right? But I mean, he's taken the whole almost being eaten by a she mantis thing really well. They don't have counselors at their school. He can't afford to take it not well. That's true. I just think Blaine will go far in Sunnydale provided he like doesn't get eaten. Therapy is expensive, okay? Xander starts smashing all the bug eggs and I'm just like, you go Xander. You smash those creepy ass eggs. Yeah, yeah, please do. So we're back at the bronze and at this time it's super fine stone love that's playing in the background. And Buffy's sitting alone at the bar when Angel shows up 
back to wearing velvet now that Buffy has his leather jacket. She offers to give the jacket back, but he tells her to keep it, that it looks better on her. Then promising Buffy he'll be in touch, he walks off. This scene is probably the least irritating Angel's ever been. (laughs) He annoyed me the least in this scene out of all the other scenes. Angel is a delight. This scene was the least annoying I found him thus far. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's fair. I will give you that. We end with one final scene in Sunnydale High where a new teacher has taken over biology and this this teacher just sucks yeah um, the bell rings and buffy starts to leave class picking up dr gregory's glasses and tucking them into his coat jacket that's still hanging there for some reason and it's a small but but sweet gesture and oh oh god oh god the back of the closet and the, just the, there's more bug eggs and do, do we think we came of those bug eggs because like one of them was hatching are there little like bug people i just oh oh no no i can't think about it too hard what do you want to know what happened to them yes they moved to maryland oh no that's horrible that's a horrible story i don't like that story the buggies are coming from inside the house no no i've had that i did not do well with this episode i don't like this episode anything that has something like overly bug-like i just i don't do well with it but yes so that's teacher's pet um do you have any final thoughts comments ways you want to torment me with bugs i'm gonna buy you some crickets for your birthday great some nice crispy crunchy crickets for you to nom on because i'm a good friend hate you so much well that's just about it for this week Thank you all for listening and make sure you join us next time when we take on season one, episode five, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date. Because that's rude. Until then, check out our various social media channels, all of which will be listed in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to let us know it, you can subscribe, rate and review, or write to us directly at thewatchersdiaries at gmail.com. Bye! Bye! Bye!